All right. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala sayyidina Muhammad, sayyidina wa sanadina wa habibina wa shafi'ina wa maulana sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhurriyatihi wa ahli baytihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawm al-dini wa ba'd. The topic that I um, that I, I submitted to speak on uh, was picked from an ayah of the Quran in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fadkuruni adkurkum. Remember me and I shall remember you. This is a concept that is expounded in other places as well, both in the Quran and the hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in his book, Wad'uni astajib lakum. He says that, uh, call upon me and I will answer you. Allah Ta'ala says in his book, إِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ نُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِي إِذَا دَعَانِ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ O Muhammad alayka salatu wasalam, when my slaves ask you, ask you about me, tell them I'm near and that I answer the prayer uh, and I answer the call of the caller upon me when he calls. So let them call upon me. Uh, and let them believe in me so that they can be guided. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book, uh, 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 That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created insan, and he knows, uh, he's so intimately aware of what the hal of insan is, that he knows the whispering uh, of a person that occurs between him and himself. And he's closer to that person than the carotid artery. The hablul al warid is the, the artery that takes blood from the heart to the brain. It's such an important artery if it's severed. Even if you're inside the operating room, uh, there's very little chance that they'll be able to save you. Uh, the blood loss will be so rapid. That's one of the things that actually has to be cut for... Uh, a valid slaughter precisely for that reason that it dispatches uh, the animal so quickly. And this concept is then also mirrored in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam said uh, uh, that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I'm the companion of the one who remembers me. Jalis means what? Jalis is the one that's jalas, jalsa, the person you sit with. That anajalisu man dhakarani. That if we remember Allah subhanahu wa taala, it's as if you're sitting in His majlis, you're with Him in that moment. abdi ma shafatahu, and I'm with my slave uh, as long as his two lips move with my remembrance. There is a uh, an author narrated by Kaab al-Ahbar, which was one of the rabbis of the Jews in Yemen, who accepted Islam at the hands of the companions, radiyallahu anhum. And Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, because of his great knowledge, uh, kept him in his privy council. So he was one of the advisors of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. Kabul Ahbar narrates that Sayyidina Musa salam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Qaribun anta, ba'idun anta fa'unadika, o qaribun anta fa'unajika, O my Lord, are you far away that I should cry out to you? Or are you close so that I should whisper when speaking to you? 
And uh, Allah Ta'ala said to Sayyidina Musa Alayhisam, I'm the companion of the one who remembers me. And uh, uh, an even more emphatic statement of this uh, uh, reality uh, is a hadith Qudsi, uh, which is the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam quoting Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Uh, and it's a hadith of Sahih Bukhari nonetheless. Uh, 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 and in it, uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says that my slave will not draw near to me by anything more beloved to me uh, than uh, than those acts that are far. So, if you want to know which acts will get you the most reward, it's your five daily prayers, and you're paying your zakat, and you're fasting in the month of Ramadan, and your Hajj. This is ما تقرب إلي عبدي بشيء أحب إلي مما افترضت به افترضت عليه that my slave doesn't draw near to me by anything more beloved to me than those things that I made obligatory upon him, and then after that my slave will keep drawing near and near to me through his nawafil through his extra uh, good deeds that he does. Nafil means extra. Um, by his extra, if you're gonna like want to make really fancy language, you can say supererogatory, uh, which is good for academic writing. But if you actually want to talk to like kids or like teach something to somebody, everyone's like very emperor's new clothes. If somebody doesn't understand a word, they'll all pretend that they understand. Nobody's gonna ask, and it's a waste of time both for the speaker and for the one listening. Uh, um, that uh, that he, my slave doesn't draw nearer to me. Uh, 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 my slave then will continue to draw nearer and nearer to me through. Uh, their extra good deeds until I love him. Hatta uh, uhibbahu. He says, until I love him. And then once I love him, then I become the eye with which he sees, and the ear with which he hears, and the hand with which he grasps, and the foot with which he walks. And if he asks me, if he asks me for something, is a double emphatic statement. He says, nay, verily, indeed, I will give him. Uh, and if he, uh, again, a double, actually a triple emphatic statement that, uh, 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 that if, he, uh, if he seeks protection in me, nay, verily, indeed, I will pr- protect him. And uh, he says that there's nothing, Allah Ta'ala says that there's nothing that I dislike more than taking his, taking his life at the time of death, only for the reason that I don't like to disappoint such a person. And uh, obviously nothing happens as a point of aqidah, nothing happens in the universe except for that Allah wants it to happen. But here the expression of I don't like uh, 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 means what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is cognizant of the fact that such a person may not want to die. And uh, he respects that fact. He gives it, its, it gives it its due. But he says he's expressing this in order to let you know that don't think just because that person dies that somehow Allah ta'ala has it in for him. Uh, because even in the death of such a person, there's a great honor and great glory uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that nobody who dies with la ilaha illallah, uh, much less a person of such a high rank, nobody dies with la ilaha illallah except for what's in front of him is better than, than, than what he leaves behind. And so uh, if you remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, said in his book, remember me and I'll remember you. And he says, I'm closer to my slave than that I, I hear the, the intimate conversation between him and himself and I'm closer to him than his carotid artery. This hadith is a very uh, detailed explanation of what the meaning of those ayat are. And the vehicle of reaching this qurbuth Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reaching this 
proximity and because we don't assign locus to Allah Ta'ala. We don't say Allah Ta'ala is in a particular place. There's neither locus nor is there direction. There's no direction you can point in which Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is there according to the, according to the uh, opinion of the mutakallimun. Um, so when we say proximity with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, this is a, a, an expression in the world of meaning. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we say formulaically that Allah ta'ala is above the throne. And we say formulaically that he's everywhere in his knowledge. But above the throne uh, is not, it doesn't mean locus. Just like saying that Allah is everywhere, it doesn't mean locus. It means Allah is above the throne in his status and he's everywhere in his knowledge. Uh, as to uh, the question of where is Allah, uh, the problem with that question is that it presupposes that the creator can be contained within the creation. It's like uh, uh, looking at a table and saying, uh, uh, you know, where in this table is the carpenter? It's the error that the Yehud and the Nasara uh, made. Uh, rather, the, the likeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, um, transcendence, his being above the creation in every single way possible, uh, is something that, that an analogy cannot be constructed with. So you do like a small thought exercise, you close your eyes, Inshallah, I'm sure Habiba won't steal your wallet and uh, she won't steal Habiba's wallet. Uh, uh, so you can close your eyes for a moment and imagine a neighborhood and there's a row of houses in that neighborhood and inside one of those houses there's somebody sitting at the dinner table you know, eating, eating dinner right now. And uh, if one were to ask that person uh, at the dinner table, where are you? You, the one imagining it, where are you? You can open your eyes now. What direction will that person point? Will they point up, down, left, right, center? Will they point all around? I mean, spatially, there's no uh, relationship spatially between the two of you, but there is a relationship between the two of you in the sense that that person's existence is contingent on the tawajjuh, the focus of your tasawwur, of your uh, conception. Uh, and so we don't say that this is the likeness of our existence with Allah because we cannot construct analogy to Allah Ta'ala. But this example is useful in understanding how not all things can be contained within space that a person points in a direction in order to look at something in order for it to be real. Um, that's uh, a, a, an argument of materialists. Uh, materialist people are reductionists. They don't believe in the ruh. They don't believe in, 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 in higher existence in the realm of meaning. Um, they just believe that this is all just random accidents and things like that. And uh, human experience shows that that's not, that's not true. It's human intuition that allowed us to build civilization that drew from something greater than that. Otherwise, dolphins have a brain like a human does and so do chimpanzees, but you don't see them like, you know, building Ohio Union and, uh, uh, you know, doing all sorts of fun and games like, like people do. So, uh, uh, you know, coming back to this issue about the qurb, the proximity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is something that I mentioned in the brief uh, few minutes that I had yesterday at the MSA conference. Both of you were there, right? Yeah. As, which is what? That if you want to say la ilaha illallah, you want to say qur rabbi allahu thumma staqim, if you want to go down that path, uh, you're going to get, have great opposition the only way to overwhelm that opposition is if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you. And how is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to be with you? It's not through being perfect, because nobody is able to do that. It's not through being infallible, because after the Anbiya alayhim salatu nobody is infallible. It's not, I mean, if you think about it, even infallibility, the Catholics, their idea of infallibility is that a person is completely incorruptible and has no evil inside of them. 
the Muslims, our idea of infallibility is uh, is in the word isma. The infallible one is ma'asum. What does ma'asum mean? Do any of you speak Arabic? What does ma'asum literally mean? It means protected. Right? Like the capital city is the Asima because it's like fortified. It's a place that will protect you like if the enemy attacks. Ma'asum is the ism maf'ul. It's the, the, the one who's protected. Meaning the infa- infallibility isn't from that person. It's the protection Allah Ta'ala gives them. Uh, and so, uh, you know, nobody, nobody is going to, you know, if you have this idea, I'm going to be perfect first and then like good things are going to happen. And if, if I can't be perfect, I may as well get a job and make a lot of money in order to, you know, survive without Allah. That's not really how things work. Uh, even that, that isma, that, that protection that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it comes from Him. You have to ask Him for it. You cannot get it through your own works, your own deeds. Otherwise, some of the most evil people in the world are some of the people who put in the most effort in being righteous and uh, pious people. Uh, all of the most horrific, uh, uh, horrific, uh, uh, like, just massacres and um, wars happened at the hands of people who were trying to implement utopian visions. Communism, Nazism, these are all utopian visions. They're, they're visions that people feed to the public in order to like make some sort of perfect perfect world or, or, or fix what's wrong with the world or whatever. Even shaitan himself, shaitan is the mu'allamul mala'ika, he's the disciple of the angels. He learned ilm from all of the different angels until he himself uh, became known as learned. It comes in the hadith of the Prophet wasallam that he, he uh, worshipped Allah so much that there wasn't a hand's breadth of space in the entire heavens and the earth. In the entire universe except for he's made sajda to Allah Ta'ala in that place. And uh, uh, he lived for so many hundreds of thousands, if not more, uh, of years. And his, uh, his rank was elevated to one that was similar to the angels, even though he was a jinn. And his angelic name was Azazil, meaning the, the, the izza, the glory of Allah Ta'ala. That's how, what the angels gave him this, this, this rank. But there was a secret of nifaq inside of his heart. Uh, there was a secret of takabur inside of his heart, of hypocrisy and of arrogance. And it was so subtle, none of the angels could see it. None of the creation could see it. But Allah saw it and he, he, he brought it forth and it was exposed to the world. Nobody can do it on their own. Anyone who tries to do it on their own, this in and of itself is one of the most subtle uh, types of sins. It's worse than drinking alcohol and committing zina. Because it has to do with a, a faulty understanding that you have some sort of ability to do something on your own without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, the, person, the, the person's relationship to Allah ta'ala is like that of a, a, a child. If the baby is small, the baby cries for everything, the mother will do everything for the baby. And if the kid says, I'm grown up, then you know, the mother says, okay, go take the trash out then. Uh, the more dependent you are on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more He will lift you. The more you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more He will give you. And the more you feel like you're independent, the more you're left to f- fend for yourself and you're left to your own devices. And so uh, you cannot do it on your own. And uh, uh, the way that you re- receive this qurb is what? Through Allah ta'ala's remembrance. This is why the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he, he mentioned that the dunya and everything that's in it is mal'oon, it's cursed. There's a hex, there's a curse, there's bad luck, there's a, a removal of mercy from it. 
except for uh, uh, except for and he mentions a few things and one of the things he mentions is the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala the remembrance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala says with regards to his dhikr he says wadhkur rabbaka fi nafsika tadarru'an wa khifatan wa duna al-jahri min al-qawli bil-ghudu'i wal-asali wa la takum min al-ghafilin he says uh, and remember your lord And remember your Lord inside of your very being. Fi nafsika, inside of your very being. So in this sense, the word dhikr doesn't even necessarily mean something that you're doing. It's a state that you carry inside. In humility and in fear. Uh, uh, um, in a way that is so subtle it's even more subtle than, than speech because oftentimes people don't think of speech as a deed it's not like you're actually doing anything you're just moving your tongue it's just lip service this is something that's even more subtle than what you're, you're saying um, uh, by, by day and by night which means that there's no time that the the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala should be removed from the the heart of the slave. And wadhkur, it's ism, sorry, it's a fi'al amr, it's the the uh, imperative form, it's a commandment. And Allah Ta'ala doesn't command to things and that commandment should be ignored. And He doesn't command to things that are impossible. But a person should have constantly carry with themselves this a uh, state of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in humility and in fear by, uh, in, in, in a way that's even more subtle than speech um, by day and by night وَلَا تَكُمْ مِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ and uh, 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 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, then prohibits us and, and, and warns us that don't ever be from the people from the people who are who are heedless so this is a, actually a state that a person enters into and in order to enter into this state, uh, in order to enter into this state, there's a whole set of exercises that a person has to go through. It's not something that you just wake up and say, "Oh, that was great talk, Sheikh." And so, like from now on, I'm never gonna forget remember, forget Allah Taala. What happened? You listen to the talk, and then you'll go, and then you'll you know read some Quran on the way home. This that will happen. Your favorite show comes on Netflix. Gone. It's gone. It's done. You forgot. You were heedless. You know, you talk to your friends, you were heedless. You talk to one of your non-Muslim friends for, you know, 20 minutes. You can't talk all of this Allah Rasul stuff with them because, you know, they're not going to understand. Khalas, your, 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 your tawajjah, your concentration is gone. Or you talk to your Muslim friends for that matter. You can't talk about all this Allah Rasul stuff with them either. Um, you know, it's gone. And the fact of the matter is, is that this, this kafiyah that a person keeps inside of their heart, not only is it something that will like give us some sort of nebulous benefit uh, on the other side of death, but like that's like really far away. You know, what does it have to do with me now? I'll do that when I'm old or I'll do that like, you know, in like five minutes before I die or whatever, right? Um, but what is, the, what is the point of it now? The point of it is that without it, you cannot get anything done that's worth doing. You cannot get anything done that's worth doing. This is what you need in order to, in order to uh, take the path of the haq. You don't, you don't need to be perfect. If you wanted to, you couldn't be. And even if you were, you could only be so through the help of Allah Ta'ala. And this is the way you're going to achieve that help. 
is through this state of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the state that characterizes the lives of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the mashayikh, the ulama, the awliya, the salihin, uh, the, the, people who, the people who did great things. People did great things. People, you know, our homelands were colonized. People went out in the path of Allah ta'ala. People like Sidi Umar Mukhtar, he's like a Quran teacher, like for like little kids. They were not warriors. Um, but they did great things. Allah Ta'ala gave them help uh, in order to resist like huge amounts of capital and empire and evil weaponry and uh, just sickness, greed, all of these things. You have to have, and you know, forget about those things. Those are like really far away just in order to make it, just in order to survive. There's so many people out there, people making six figures and they, you know, they have like, they struggle with depression and, you know, suicidal thoughts. Why? Because just to survive is difficult. The person, you know, Sheikh was saying yesterday about how believing in, in, in Qadr and predestination is such like a relief from stress. Why? Because if you're responsible for paying rent tomorrow, your company could go out of business, your building could burn down, you could, uh, you, know, uh, you know, even a small sickness or injury in this country will financially completely wipe you out. You know, you could even have insurance. Insurance has like a thousand loopholes. They, 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 pay, they pay people bonuses to find loopholes when they have to pay out in order to uh, help a sick person. They pay them bonuses literally in order to, to cheat you. All of these things could happen. At some point, you just have to say, you know, that whatever Allah Ta'ala says is going to happen is going to happen. I'm going to keep trying my best. I'm going to keep planning for the best. Uh, but this, this state of remembering Allah Ta'ala and never being from the people of heedlessness, this state which is described in the hadith of Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam, that ihsan is an ta'budallah describes the same thing that's mentioned in this ayah. That you should worship Allah Ta'ala as if you see him and if you don't see him, then at least to always know that he sees you. You're never allowed to be from the, from the heedless. This state, there's a, there's a set pattern of how a person gets to this state. And so I wanted to discuss that uh, uh, with my uh, remaining few minutes, inshallah, uh, and maybe then have like a practical exercise uh, if, uh, if time permits. And uh, you're not going to get to that state by watching TV. You're not going to get to that state by listening to music. You're not, I mean, you know, like if I was cool sheikh, then like I would say something that is like uplifting and motivational, but like doesn't actually involve you changing your life in any way, shape or form. I want you to think about this idea that the knowledge itself has a life. If I tell you like something and you're like, that's completely impossible. There's no way I'm going to uh, be able to implement that in my life. Put the infl- implementation on a shelf. The ilm itself, right? The ilm itself, preserving the knowledge itself is a separate good deed. Right? I object. To, I very rigorously object to 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 people who say that uh, uh, you know. Well, if you learn the knowledge and you're not going to implement it, then it's a complete waste of time. This is not right. People shouldn't say this. This is not what uh, this is not what our Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us, and this is not what Allah subhanahu wa taala uh, uh, taught us in His book either. Right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave, he gave the people of knowledge darajat levels of maqam, of station higher than, than the people who don't have knowledge. Uh, 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, what? Ulama warathatul anbiya. He said that the ulama are the heirs of the prophets, the people of knowledge. Ulama is the, 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 the plural of the word alim. Alim, it doesn't mean amil. It doesn't mean the person who practices. It means the person who has the knowledge. If a person, if a person has the knowledge and doesn't practice on it, that person's likeness is like a person, for example, who has a gym membership and he doesn't go and exercise. It's sad and it's a waste of time. But that person tomorrow, like, you know, they can always change their mind and go. Whereas the person who the doors are locked for that person, they have no option one way or the other. Um, and the knowledge itself is a good deed. Gaining the knowledge is a good deed. Reviewing and retaining the knowledge is a good deed. And passing the knowledge on to another person is a good deed, even if none of the parties involved practice it. And the Rasul sallallahu even mentioned this also. He said, he said that Sallallahu He said that may Allah Ta'ala make shine the face of the person who heard something that I said, and that person memorized it and kept it, and then uh, gave it over to the next person. Because oftentimes a person will uh, carry a piece of knowledge, but they won't understand it. And oftentimes a person will carry a piece of knowledge and then they'll deliver it to someone else who will understand it even better than they do. Uh, and so this is our, our history is replete with muhaddithin. They, they, they memorize hundreds of thousands of hadith and they don't understand what, they're, what, they're, uh, what they memorized or what they carry with them. Uh, uh, Khattabi, uh, who was like the first canonical commentator on the Sunan of Abi Dawud, Khattabi, he had... Uh, uh, um, uh, one uh, muhaddith that he took hadith from one of his mashayikh uh, who had a per- peculiar uh, habit which was that after he would uh, you know answer the call of nature he would pray salatul witr at any time of day or night and so khatabi says what are you doing like the witr is only like a sunnah once after salatul isha in the night and you only pray witr once what are you praying in the daytime in the nighttime every time you use the bathroom you're praying witr he says don't you know the hadith of the prophet sallallahu the one who uh, uh, wipes himself after answering the call of nature let, let him let him make witr so khatabi says to his shaykh he says the meaning of this is that you should use an odd number of rocks or clay tablets or paper or whatever, you know, you should use an odd number. It doesn't mean that you actually pray the salat al The word witr in Arabic, one of the meanings of it is, or the basic meaning of it is an odd number, one, three, five, etc. Um, and so his shaykh, uh, he, you know, he thought about it for a moment. He's like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. You know, uh, uh, this happens. These types of things happen. The knowledge itself in any way, shape or form, a person has munasaba in it. There's still some piety. There's still some khair. In fact, the system runs with the understanding that not everyone's going to understand everything, but still it encourages everyone to get as much uh, knowledge as they can because in some way, shape or form, it will be beneficial to them. And it's not an excuse for a person to have knowledge and not act on it. But uh, on the flip side, this idea that, you know, and there are people, now we have people, like people will be like, oh, Sheikh, I don't want to tell my mother about Islam because I'm afraid she'll reject it and go to hell. That's, that's no, always it's better to know. Right, uh, ignorance is bliss. Is the 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 masak of kufr? It's the masak of disbelief. The believer always would rather know. The believer will always rather know. Knowledge is always superior to ignorance. Uh, in and there's a pain that comes with carrying knowledge. There's a suffering that comes with knowledge, and carrying it. That's also good. 
So this is one homework exercise, you know, is that we heard about the, 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 the state of the vicar of Allah Ta'ala, so keep it with you next time you do something haram, don't tell anybody about it. It's going to happen one day or another, nobody's perfect, right? Maybe, maybe it's not, inshallah it won't, but like, you know, if it happens, then remember Allah Ta'ala while you're doing haram, what's going to happen? You're not going to be able to enjoy yourself anymore. You're not going to, the drunkard, when he remembers Allah, his wine is no longer makes him happy. The zani, when he, when he or she remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they cannot enjoy themselves. The, the, the liar, the cheater, the, you know, the person who is, uh, you know, watching TV instead of going and praying their salat. They're not going to be able to enjoy themselves when the remembrance of Allah comes to them. Even that, there's so, there's so much benefit in it. There's so much khair in it. There's so much good in it. The fact that you're not, a, you're not left to enjoy your sins, it's itself a sign of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That a person, the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala and the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala, they cannot coexist in a person. They'll always fight with each other. And one day one of them is going to win. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the person who the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala wins in that person, that person is a complete loser. They're completely, completely they're a loser. Um, not as like a, like a personal insult alone, but Yawm uh, Al-Qiyamah, they're, they're, they're going to wish that, you know, that, 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 that they didn't enjoy those things that they enjoyed. Uh, otherwise, people have all sorts of destructive habits, and those habits, they'll keep doing them until the person dies. The person will smoke, a person will do drugs, a person will do all kind of wild and crazy things, going down the highway at like 130 miles an hour. It's great until you end up... In union with like you know a concrete uh, 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 post or something like that, so the idea is this: is that 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 state of remembering Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, people flee from it because they're afraid it's gonna, it's gonna like harm them. It's gonna change their life into something that's boring or stressful or rigorous or overwhelming or they're not going to be able to have fun anymore or they're not going to be able to enjoy anymore or they're not going to be normal anymore look at the world around you what kind of person would want to be normal in this world what kind of person would like immoral degenerate person would like to like keep consuming things and like making plastic garbage until the entire ocean is filled with dead fish and like you know the polar ice caps melt and it you know is like 150 degrees in summer and what kind of person is like going to enjoy that, except for a very sick and depraved person. The person Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wakes them up from, from all of that, that person is the most honored of his creation. And if the rest of humanity is to be saved from, from the, the, you know, the precipice that they're kind of headed for uh, straight on uh, you know, at 100 miles an hour, it's only going to be these few people. This is what the Rasul sallallahu alayhi did. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi did this. Uh, for the Ummah. Otherwise, what do you think the Arabs were going to do without him? What do you think our forefathers in the Indian subcontinent worshipping worshiping idols and drinking their own urine and doing God knows what kind of crazy, uh, you know, types of things? What would have happened had the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam not done this? Um, it's only possible to the dhikr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So as a very practical point, what does this mean? Because oftentimes people mention these things and then they don't mention how a person is supposed to practically implement them. There are many different forms of dhikr uh, that are prescribed by the sharia. If you want to know about this topic in greater detail, there's a book um, that's sitting in every masjid which describes them uh, in great detail from the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam in a way that people are not going to object to and have much difference of opinion about. And it's really funny because it's like hidden in plain sight. Does anyone know uh, what book I'm talking about? Actually, strangely enough, it's not. 
it's it's uh, uh, it's yeah the Kitabul of Karav Imam Nawawi yes and no uh, uh, but it's a sister book of, of the Kitabul of Kar which is Riyadh al-Salihin the, the Imam Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala he basically like just like regular folks came to him they're like write a book for us that uh, you know we can just follow that's based on the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that's uncomplicated so he wrote two books one book was supposed to be about like how to do things. It's essentially like a folk, like folk fic book. And that is the Kitab al-Afkar, strangely enough. And then there was another book that he was asked to write, which is about the, the spiritual teachings of Islam. Fiqh is like the manifestation of the deen on the limbs, right? Sheikh was talking about deen yesterday as a total system of submission, whatever, right? Um, uh, so the fiqh is the manifestation of the deen on the limbs. Uh, and... Um, you know, uh, tazkiyah or like tasawwuf or whatever. The word tasawwuf, people kind of have like this allergic reaction to it because they think about people like biting the heads off of chickens and like, doing, like dancing and things like that. That's not what it is. I mean, that's not what it means if you look in the books of ilm at any rate, right? That stuff is like, obviously that's not part of, that's not part of our deen, but the actual, um, you know, part of the sharia, which is tasawwuf or tazkiyah or, or whatever word you want to use for it, um, has to do with the life of the heart. Right. So, for example, Allah Ta'ala says in his book, Have you seen the one who takes their, uh, their own uh, vain desires as a god? Right? This is not a fiqh issue. Right? Like pork, eating pork is, is haram. This is how you pray. Also, don't take your nafs into, as a god. Right? People are, it's not like a fiqh misunderstanding that people have. Nor is it an aqidah issue that someone's like, Oh, I thought that my own... Vain desires were God. Thank you for clarifying that. That's not the case. We don't believe that. You know, that's not what it is. It's an issue of of of, of the heart. It's an issue of tarbiyah. That this is a tendency that people have. The Sheikh talked about tarbiyah yesterday. He uses the word tarbiyah as a kind of a stand-in for tasawwuf because people will have like um, it's like an allergic reaction to this word. But the idea is, how did he describe it? Right? It's removing bad qualities from inside the 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 heart. And then strengthening the good qualities that are inside of the heart. And so this whole process of tarbiyah, tazkiyah, tasawwuf, whatever you want to call it. Uh, um, the book that he wrote for that is the Riyadh al-Salihin. And it's very interesting because the Riyadh al-Salihin is very rarely read in any systematic manner. But it actually has a foreword in which he says all of these things very explicitly. Um, but uh, very few people have read the forward. Very few people have read the, the 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 book at all. In fact, and oftentimes the people who read the hadith from the, uh, from this book, uh, you know, they themselves are unlearned people, and so they don't ex- understand what's in it in order to explain it properly. But the different types, the different types of vicar uh, are mentioned, and their virtues are mentioned, and the different you know good qualities that a person should strengthen inside of their heart. They're mentioned in great detail. Um, the different types of bad qualities that a person is required in, in the deen to expunge from their heart because it poisons this entire process. They're uh, mentioned in great detail and, and the practical exercises of how a person can go about doing this, they're mentioned in great detail. Um, but because we don't have the time to go through the entire Riyadh al-Salihin, I have a dars of the Riyadh al-Salihin that I started in 2008, I think, um, in Seattle, uh, and then it started in one masjid, and then it went to another masjid, and then it went to a home, and then I moved to Chicago. Then for some time I taught it in the hood, and then for some time I taught it. Uh, uh, um, we rented a place 
and I taught it over there. I taught a couple of lessons here in Cleveland as well. Um, uh, and inshallah, we're like basically about three quarters of the way through the book. Inshallah, we may khatam one day. Uh, since we don't have time for that uh, uh, right now, uh, I'll give you a summary, uh, which uh, Shah Ismail Shahid, rahimahullah ta'ala, one of the great ulama uh, of the Indian subcontinent, the great muhaddithin, he wrote this, this, this very beautiful summary, which is um, in accordance to whatever I've read. I mean, mashallah, by Allah's father, we read the Siha Sitta, the, the, the whatever, six canonical books of the hadith, and the Muatta of Imam Malik, and a number of other books of hadith with Sanad from the ulama. Um, and so it's, it's, it's essentially in line with, with what I recall from having uh, read uh, the books of the Sunnah. Is that the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, the different avkar, they're like different like medicines and vitamins, things like that. You know, like there's a particular medicine. If you have, a, if you have an antibiotic, sorry, if you have a bacterial infection, you take an antibiotic, right? If you have a viral infection, the antibiotic's not going to work, right? So there are certain avkar and practices that are there to treat certain sicknesses. Or there are certain avkar that are like vitamins or tonics that will strengthen certain um, certain uh, good qualities that a person has inside of them. And uh, the Shaykh al-Hadiq, the, the, the Shaykh who is uh, well-learned and experienced in treading this path will be able to teach you in great detail based on these books that the uh, teachings of the Sunnah are transmitted in uh, about that entire repertory and pharmacology of of treating the heart from its uh, sicknesses and strengthening the heart in its in its uh, good qualities. However, after all of those things are said and done, a person's a person's uh, um, ascent and their progress in the spiritual path will be through three principal three principal modes of of remembrance of Allah Taala. Uh, the first is the recitation of the Quran. For this reason, all of us should take some time and memorize some amount of Qur'an. Um, and this is important. It's more important now than it ever was because I see now that even the children of the Arabs themselves don't learn how to read. And uh, some of them, it means they don't learn tajweed. Um, some of them, it literally means they don't learn alif, ba, ta, ta. This is why if anyone follows me on social media, which I actively encourage you not to, uh, um, but uh, you'll see from time to time, I always have this gripe about why, why is it that Arabs are texting each other like math equations, sevens and threes and all this other nonsense. <laughs> right? The, 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 I mean, it, it, it sounds funny, but it, it's deep. It's like a very, I, I'm like, I'm very serious. Like, I'm not laughing. I don't think it's funny. I, actually, I have a very rigorous objection to it. Why? Because Arabic is sacred language. Allah Ta'ala says about it, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًّا لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ We sent it down as an Arabic Qur'an so that you can be people of, people of, of, of aql, of, of, of rationality. And learning Arabic itself is a sacred duty of every Muslim who's able to. And I get a lot of flack for this. I really get a lot of flack for this from people and I'm totally unrepentant. I don't give a damn if people don't like it. All right, the Arabic is a sacred language. You should learn it. You should speak it. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu who said that I consider someone who knows Arabic and then chooses to speak a language other than that uh, to be from the signs of nifaq, from the signs of hypocrisy. Allah Ta'ala chose this language in order to uh, teach it and he chose the Arabs as a people in order to carry this uh, uh, deen. And he says, وَإِنَّهُ لَذِكْرُ لَكَ وَلِقَوْمِكَ وَسَوْفَ تُسْأَلُونَ Allah Ta'ala says to, to the Prophet ﷺ that this is a dhikr for you. Here the word dhikr means honor. 
that people will mention you. Like you're like if so and so is like an honorable mention. This is a mention for you. This is a this 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 Quran itself is is like an honor for you and for your qawm. Who's the qawm of the Prophet The word qawm and ummah mean two different things. All the prophets are saying ya qawmi, ya qawmi to who? To the people who are about to get destroyed for their kufr. Word qawm means your 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 uh, your your people. It doesn't mean your nation. It doesn't mean your the people who follow the same religion as you. Um, and so Allah Ta'ala says, this is an honor for you and for your qawm. And so the Prophet actually explained that, the, that being an Arab doesn't, isn't a lineage. It isn't a lineage. Rather, it's two things. It's in mastery of the Arabic language and it's the adat and taqalid, the habits and customs of the Arabs. The habits and customs of Arabs, the Arabs is not eating falafel and shawarma. These things didn't exist in that time. It's not listening to Um Kulthum and Amr Diab and God knows what kind of like weird like, you know, pop singers that are just basically copy pasting like, you know, Western pop uh, styles with like some like, you know, kind of Arab or Oriental sounding instruments in the background or whatever. That's not what it means. Rather, there's an entire old culture that has to do with, for example, honoring guests, has to do with telling the truth and keeping your word that even the Arabs in Jahiliyyah, the idol worshippers used to uh, keep these customs. Uh, Allah Ta'ala expunged from them what's, what's wrong and He affirmed from, from them what's right to the point where if the Qur'an doesn't say it's haram, then if it's a custom of the Arabs, it's a dalil that this is also considered a virtue in the deen. And I'm not, an, I'm, my parents are from Pakistan, you know, like I, I'm not saying this as a, you know, like a, calling people toward my race. Rather, it's my honor that our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is an Arab and the Qur'an is an Arabic Qur'an. It's, an, it's my honor that, that, that we should uh, uh, accept this as much as we can. Unfortunately, coming back to this, this is why I don't like, you know, the, the, the Quran is actually literally written in the Loh Mahfud. There's a, a, a celestial tablet in which, amongst other things, the text of the Quran is written saying that Jibreel actually brought it to this earth in transcription. And the Prophet ﷺ told, people, told the scribes how to write. So you, if you look in the Mus'haf, you crack the Mus'haf open, you see that, right? Maliki Yomidin, it's not written with an alif. It's written Mim, Lam, Kaf. And there's a, like a dagger alif. There's a particular rasm to the way the Qur'an is written, which is different, it's distinct even than, than, uh, um, than, than the, the normal transcription of the Arabic language. Like Salat is written with a wow. You know, it's not written with, uh, with a Saad, Lam, Alif, Tamar, Buta. It's written in a, par- a particular way. Uh, and so that 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 orthography is that orthography is celestial. Um, there's a sacredness to it, and we should keep it. And this is one of the reasons why is one of the, why is one of the reasons that people are writing, you know, kafal hal with like seven al and like you know like amr with like a three and like why are, why are people writing why why are people doing that? It's why it's because we've left the 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 orthography of uh, of the Arabic language. The old Muslims used to do that. What did they used to do? They used to write their languages in the orthography of the Qur'an. That's why Urdu and Punjabi and all these kind of weird languages, they're actually Indo-European language. Persian is an Indo-European language. It's a, it's a, it's a language in the same family as English. Uh, uh, why is it that Turkish, like Turkish is an Altaic language. It's like the Urumhaik Turkish is somewhere like, like on the other side of Mongolia, right? Why is it that they were all written uh, in, this, uh, in these letters? Because our forefathers considered this orthography, orthography to be sacred. So we may not be in a position to like topple English and flip it over to uh, a, a, a different orthography. But the point of saying this is that, that when, when we say that from the three principal modes of the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, the first one is the Quran. It's a problem. People don't know how to read the Quran. If you don't know how to read the Quran... Like learn, because you'll become MSA president. 
you'll become the president of Isna and Ikna and Fitna and Jitna and whatever. You'll everything. You'll 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 uh, become. You know, you'll become the king of Saudi Arabia and the, you know the queen of uh, of Qatar and like the prime minister of Turkey and uh, 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 the president of Pakistan and the sultan in Malaysia and you you become all of these things. Uh, without learning Arabic. That's just the way the world has become, you know. They'll make you imam, you'll give the Jummah khutbah, you won't know how to read the Qur'an properly. I've seen it so many times. I'm telling you, forget about all of that other stuff. None of those things are the, the principal modes of the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you don't know how to read the Arabic language, instead of being in denial or saying, well, I don't have to do this, I don't, you don't have to do a lot of things. You don't have to own a car. You can rent an apartment for the rest of your life. You don't have to own a house. You don't have to get married. Imam Nawawi wrote Riyal Salihin. He didn't get married. You know, like you don't have to. You don't have to do. There's so many things you don't have to do. Get out of that mode of thinking, right? If there's something that's good and it's worth doing, then do it. Learn Arabic. Well, how should I learn? There's no masjid in my locality. Then go to the university and learn it. Learn it online. You know, I'm the first one who says learning online is like really horrible. It's best to actually go to a, a physical, like a teacher, and like you know. But if you can't do that, then learn online. Learn however you need to learn. Learn, so well, you know, so-and-so only knows how to read and write, but they don't actually understand it. Okay, then learn how to read and write from them. Learn where, where the, the dot for the jim goes and where the dot for the ha goes. If you don't know it, learn it. Practice it. Read from the Mus'haf every day some portion of the Qur'an as a weird, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a consistent as a consistent act of dhikr, right? Remember the hadith of the Prophet that we mentioned before, like most of you were here. Which is what is that the person comes closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the acts that are farth, and then the person keeps making progress more and more through the extra acts uh, of worship. And so read some, uh, you know, read a juz of Quran. If you can't read a juz of Quran, read half a juz, read a quarter juz, read a page, right? Read a line. You know, you can't read a line, you don't have time, right? You have to get to class, right? Crack open the Mus'haf, read one letter from the Quran. Do you have time for that? It's there. Everybody has it. If you don't have a physical copy, everyone has it on their phone. Alhamdulillah, just look at the alif. Say, I'm not going to ignore the book of Allah Ta'ala today. So not only do you have to know how to read, like have to, not in a fixed sense, but like have to in order to make progress to get to the point where a person has this state of remembrance all the time. But you also have to memorize some part of the Qur'an also for a couple of reasons, some of which we'll speak about in the moment, in, in a moment. But one of the reasons is what is that you don't always have the luxury of opening, opening the Mus'haf and reading, right? So you guys are university students, okay? When I graduated from high school, the longest surah I knew was وَالضُحَى وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى And like since then, I've memorized about five juz. I can run a hafiz al-Qur'an by any stretch of the imagination, but like, you know, like... Uh, Surah Yasin and Surah Al-Waqi'ah and Surah Al-Mulk and this is the one that the Hadith say that it's Masnoon to recite at different times of the day or Surah Al-Kahf, you know, like the front part of Surah Al-Baqarah, etc., etc. Just put in the time and memorize them, right? Read the line. If you guys are all intelligent people, you're all going to become doctors one day or whatever, right? So you read, if you read something 10, 15 times, you should be able to remember it. And then thereafter, once it sits in your mind, like temporarily in your short-term memory, when you're walking to class, you have like, what, probably do an hour of walking every day, right? From class to class. Just read instead of listening to like music in your earphones or a podcast of some, someone, you know, acting like a fool. You know what they call those kind of podcasts? 
where people talk about dumb stuff and act like a fool and like fill up two hours with like just their like foolery. You know what those kind of pod- podcasts are called? It's called a podcast. Kind of a little bit though, you know, <laughs> right? So the point is, is like, that's fine. Who cares? Someone's going to give you a review about like a new phone that came out or like who got elected president or who got whatever, right? There'll be another president next year. And then after that four years, there'll be another president. Like what, what is the point of all this? It's fine. Like it's, it's not haram. Okay, it's fine. It's not haram. It's also not haram to stand on your like foot and hop in the corner like 40 times. Are you going to do everything that, you know, it's not haram. Is that what you're going to do? There are certain things that are beneficial for you. Just do them. This is the time. See, the thing is, right? If when you're at this age, thank you so much. I appreciate it. If, if you at this time, like, you know, do these things, what's the benefit? The benefit is this stuff stays with you for the whole rest of your life. You know what I mean? If you do all this pious stuff, like at the end of your life, what's the point? Kufr already like uh, took over and screwed everything up. And uh, you're, you're like, you're, you're not going to be able to benefit from it in your own life. So memorize some part of the Quran. You know, the person, some people are a little more advanced than other people. Some people, they already memorized 15 juz, and so they should go and memorize the other 15, right? The person who doesn't know, uh, you know, who, who doesn't know anything, let them memorize Qul Allahu Ahad and like crap, grab a sibha and read it like, you know, 30 times, 100 times during the day. There's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that reading Qul Allahu Ahad three times will give a person the reward of having read a third of the Quran, or sorry, one time gives the reward of having read a third of the Qur'an. This obviously doesn't obviate a person from the necessity or for the benefit of reading the rest of the, the Qur'an, but there's something for everybody. You know, if the longest surah you know is, then when you start memorizing, then, you know, memorize, do something, you know, with it. Why? Because you're, this is progress, right? This is progress. Literally, there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that the angels will tell the person to recite, اقرأ كما كنت تقرأ في الدنيا and so, اقرا ورتل كما كنت ترتل في الدنيا. اقرا فارتقي. You should keep read and recite like you used to recite in the dunya. Keep reciting and keep raising in rank. And your rank in Jannah will be at the last place where your recitation stops. So it's worthwhile. Go ahead and like do something. The person who only knows Qul Allahu Akbar, go knock yourself out. Go read Inna Qal Kothar. You just doubled your rank in Jannah. And so that's one. And number two is what? Number two is the Nafil prayer. The Nafil prayer. This is one thing in America. America is like America, like like Nawafil is like like the way of the dinosaurs. It's like it used to be alive like thirty five million years ago, but it's gone extinct now. Why? Because not far. Literally, I see people cop an attitude. Like, it's not far, you know. And ask me to pray. It's like bid'ah. Why? It's something the Prophet said. It's literally called a sunnah. You're telling me that the sunnahs are bid'ah. This is what this is. This is a sickness people have inside of themselves. Remember this. Even if you never do any act of piety in your life, the knowledge is, itself has a life of its own. That the people. This is a sign of sickness in the hearts of, of people, which is what two things. One is that if someone disagrees with them on the smallest of things, they turn it into like World War Seven, like that is gonna like be the war that ends all wars, right? Small things. You know, say I mean out loud or not, and they just turn it into this huge. Maybe there's a right answer, or wrong answer. Maybe there's not. Maybe there's a right answer, or wrong answer. Still, it's not like kufr or anything. You treat a person like worse than you would just you know treat whatever the cheerleaders who are practicing for their weird like thing that they're doing. Anyway, it's weird. Like they follow you guys around. They were there at the. Uh, they were you know anyway. 
So right, it's, it's, you say hi, hi to Kelly on the way into the thing, but like, Colossus, this guy didn't say I mean out loud, or they said I mean out loud, and moved a finger too much, I'm gonna break it or whatever. You're like, what, what? That's one thing. The second thing is what running away from the worship of Allah Taala, like a person just saw the angel of death and is like booking it. You know, like I need to save my life. Okay, you don't want to pray them, don't pray them. At least in your mind, think of them as a good thing, right? So the first thing we mentioned is the recitation of the Quran. The second thing we mentioned is the nafil prayer that the companions were the Allah on whom used to uh, used to pray the nafil prayers. Each of them had some set of nafil prayers that they did. Non-farth prayers that they did, they would stick with them. The hadith of Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiAllahu anhu that after the sun rises, uh, the Prophet told him, "Pray this salat and don't ever leave it. Two, four, six, eight rakat, any any amount thereof." I'll give you a shortcut. Even if you want to pray those rakat and just read the Fatiha, not read another surah with them, that's fine. It's still valid according to many of the fuqaha. What's another time to pray nafil prayers? At nighttime, you wake up before fajr, or at, you know, before you even if you go, even if you pray them before you sleep, pray two rakats before. That way, you'll sleep with wudu, right? Instead of the last thing you you know do before you go to sleep is Netflix. You don't wake up in the morning. You're gonna be like what raised Yom Qiyama with like reruns of Full House. Like is that what you want to be? Uh, um, you know, like what are you what are you gonna what are you gonna do right? Your sunnahs pray two rakahs after Maghrib. What's gonna what, what's gonna happen? Who's gonna who's gonna die? You know who's gonna die if you do that? So many massages. I traveled so much in the Muslim world. So many masajid. If you pray two rakahs after Maghrib, you may be the like, like the last person in the masjid. Who cares if you're the last person in the masjid? Allah Taala wanted you there longer than anybody else, right? So this is the this is the this is the second thing, and the third thing is what Allah Taala said. In his book, "Jaddidu Imanikum Bikolikum La Ilaha Illallah," renew your iman again and again with your saying of "La Ilaha Illallah." This is something anyone can do. Everyone can do. "La Ilaha Illallah" has so much has so much khair in it, so much baraka in it. The Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, saying that Jibril came to him. It's a hadith of, of Tirmidhi. That Sayyidina Jibril came to him and says, "Oh Muhammad, if you had seen me on the day that the the sea drowned Pharaoh." When it was parted, I told I came to him in the form of his gen, of his uh, uh, of his advisor Haman, and he said, "Let's go in after them." And he says, "Are you crazy? He's seeing this huge miracle happening in front of his eyes, right?" He said, "Are you crazy? You think I'm going to go in there?" And he wouldn't. I'm arguing with him, and he's not going in. So finally, I took my stick and I hit his horse, and his horse galloped and took off into the water, and his entire host, like his army, went in after him. And he said that when the last of the army of Fir'aun was in the, in, the, in the sea. And the last of Banu Israel came out of the other side. The hukum of Allah Ta'ala came down and both sides of the, the, the sea crashed down on him. And I myself was filling his mouth with water. Why? Out of fear that even though I knew inside of my mind that Allah Ta'ala had written this moment of his destruction uh, before he created the heavens and the earth. But still, I had fear that somehow if he says La ilaha illallah, the power of this, uh, of this word is going to somehow, he's going to get bailed out of it somehow. Now tell me, which one of you is worse than Pharaoh? Raise your hand. Pharaoh is basically like the worst, right? Like there's something even the Jews will agree with you about. Right? Which one of you, your mouth is being filled with water right now? As coffee, but like you know, it's it's a choice, right? 
So don't don't waste your don't waste your breaths uh, with stupid things. Grab a sibha, say la ilaha illallah, repeat it again and again. The one who wants to repeat it a thousand times, let him repeat it a thousand times. The one who wants to repeat it a hundred times, let him repeat it a hundred times. The one who wants to repeat it ten times, let him repeat it. Just say it one time. How, what is it going to kill you? Go ahead, say it. La ilaha illallah. This will be in the scale pans, Yom Al-Qiyamah, the hadith of the Prophet It's a real al-salihin. It's not like I'm coming up with like weak hadiths or whatever and like making up. You read them there, so they're all sahih hadith. Nawi himself is like one of the master muhadithin. He says the real al-salihin, I didn't bring anything that's not sahih in this book. He, uh, 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 he mentions that on the Day of Judgment, a man will have 99 books, uh, scrolls of uh, recording his sins, chronicling his sins when unfurled, will go as far as the eye can see. And then the angels, when asked to procure his good deeds, there will be a bitaka. Right? What does bitaka mean in Arabic? Like a card, like a driver's license or business card or something like that, right? On which is written what? La ilaha illallah. It's put in the scale pan and it outweighs the 99. These are the, the hadiths that like, none of the preachers will tell you because then they're going to lose their career like scaring the daylights out of people, right? So say it, go ahead, take use of it. Now the companions, the secret of the companions was what? They would wake up in the night and they would, their tahajjud would be characterized by long recitation of the Qur'an. And in the Qur'an itself, there are many ayat in which la ilaha illallah occurs. So what did they do? They like combined, triple combined all of this stuff in order to reach this, this like rank. And we have this idea, many people have this idea like folk Islam, they have this idea that like, Somehow the maqam is unreachable or somehow you have something magical has to happen for you to become a good person like that. The only magical thing is that a person does these things day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Years pass by. What ends up happening? A person ends up becoming a good person. A person ends up becoming such a person, you look at them and people make toba. A person becomes such a person, people will say like, you know, Jedi mind trick, right? Literally, they'll say, I've seen people, I've seen people, they say something, people listen. I, I have, there's one brother, there's one brother I know, inshallah, you guys can meet him if you want to, if you don't believe me. He literally can walk up to anybody and tell them to say, la ilaha illallah, the person will say it. We were having sushi one time. A woman came up and asked, oh, uh, what religion do you follow? And he just, he like, he just pushed everyone back. He's like, we're Muslims, you know that? And she's like, she's like, yeah, old lady, old white lady. And so she, he goes, he goes, you know, do you ever feel alone sometimes? She goes, yeah, my husband died this night. She's like, let me teach you a prayer that uh, you can say when you feel alone and things will be okay. She's like, oh yeah? He's like, yeah, repeat after me. La ilaha. And she says it and then he says, that means that there's no God except for, except for one. You believe that, don't you? And she's like, oh yeah. He's like, good. Okay. And she just shuffles off. Right? He just does this weird, like, he just does it random people, right? One time I was in a car with him driving from Chicago to Cleveland. And there are some other people in the car, and I told them this very story, and he was there too. He's like, oh, Sheikh, anyone can do it. Go on, do it. We're going to go stop and pay the toll on the way out of the turnpike. You're going to have the lady in the, in the toll booth say, la ilaha illallah. Same thing. There are people like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this. Like, the, literally, the lady is like, here's your change. I was like, oh, by the way, uh, uh, you know, uh, can I teach you a prayer? And I'm like myself, feel like weird. And she's like, she, she, she's like, yeah, sure. And she says it and it means there's no God except for one. You believe that, don't you? She's like, yeah, I guess. Right? 
There are people like if you said that to a random person, they'd be like, "What's it like me?" If it was just like a normal person who said that to be, no one's going to listen, right? Some people, oh, that puts baraka. What is it? It's the nur that's behind all of this years of remembrance of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. The person who accepts the slavehood of Allah Taala, Allah Taala, like Sheikh was saying yesterday, the entire creation was made for you. You understand? It was all made for you. You were made for Allah. The entire creation was made for you. If you look at the microscopic scale and the macroscopic scale, right? The biggest phenomena in the, in the universe is the universe itself. The ratio of our size compared to the universe is the ratio of our size compared to the like, smallest like, observable phenomenon at the, like, the, the, not the microatomic, like the subatomic level. The entire universe is literally made for you. The earth is like in this you know, Goldilocks just right small band of the, of the solar system. The entire rest of the solar system is like a, like a horrible and like horrific wasteland, right? Anyway, the talk has uh, filled its hour now, uh, and I'm not going to browbeat you. I think you all uh, get the point. If you can't do this, like read tahajjud for you know with like whatever half the Quran every night. That's if you do, make dua for me. If you don't, you know maybe some of you will get there. People should not be cowards, inshallah. If you open your eyes and you ask Allah for something big, He gives it to you sometimes. But if you can't do that either, you know like. On the way to class three times is like manageable by people, right? Two rakahs with like just a fatiha every day, something like that. Anything, any one thing like that. But keep it as your practice that you do. You know, like the day you get like pneumonia or coronavirus or whatever, you can take like two weeks off and just make it up when you get better or whatever, right? And if you don't, if you die, then you're going to be like, hey, look, I was making zikr. This is going to help. You know, it's going to be beneficial for all of us, inshallah. And uh, maybe Allah Ta'ala will give uh, some of us the tawfiq to do those things. That uh, otherwise normal people can't do. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.